Welcome to Marvel Studios News. My name is Sean Gerber. I will soon be joined by my co-host, Paul Herman, for episode 65 of our show. We are still on the road to Infinity War, and our stop this week is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. But before we get into that, I do have some people I would like to thank, because we have some new patrons over on our Patreon, and they are Alton Halgreen, Clay North, and Dakota Wilson. So thank you all very much for your support of this show And of course, as some of you probably know by now, but just in case you don't, if this is the first time you're hearing us, our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News, is a way for you to get even more content from this show. So if you like listening to this show on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're finding it, we really appreciate that and we're glad you're listening. But if you want even more content, exclusive content, there's a way to do that by becoming one of our patrons. And there are different tiers that get you even more content, uh, depending on what you ultimately decide. And one of the things that we do is our Patreon credit scene. And our Patreon credit scenes is something we do every time we do one of these episodes. We then do another 20 to 30 minutes, or this week it's actually longer than 30 minutes, where we have an extra conversation. So while we're on the road to Infinity War, that means talking about What actually connects the film that was part of our discussion? So for this week, it's Winter Soldier to Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4. We also talk about some additional news, whatever's come up. So on this Patreon credit scene, we talk about the new release date for Infinity War. We also talk about all of those release dates that Disney booked in 2021 and 2022 for Marvel Studios to try and see what films uh, might take up those spaces. So all of that's available. We also have our Black Panther Q&A episode coming up. Now, I have already made posts for the questions, but just in case you haven't seen it, if you go to our Patreon page, you can see the posts where I'm requesting questions in the comments. So make sure you get those in there because we're going to be recording that episode very, very soon. And again, that Black Panther Q&A episode is exclusive to our patrons over at patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. And of course, you can also keep up with us Outside of the podcast, you can find us on marvelstudiosnews.com, where every single day I'm writing articles about the MCU. You can also find us on Facebook at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. So that's it. That's my whole opening spiel. Let's go ahead and get on with our show and talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So I think, Paul, now we've arrived at one of the highlights of this Road to Infinity War. This this has to be one of the most anticipated, I don't want, I I shouldn't say most anticipated episode, because that sounds super arrogant about us, but um, at least uh, one of the most anticipated topics on our Road to Infinity War, as we talk about Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This is obviously hailed by many, I'd say even most people who are fans of the MCU, even people who aren't fans of the MCU as either Marvel's very best film or one of Marvel's best films. Um, But before we get into evaluating the the film itself, let's go ahead and let's talk about the road to the build-up to Captain America, The Winter Soldier. So like we had with our previous episode of Thor The Dark World, we had a director change. Uh, We knew fairly early on that Joe Johnston was not going to be back and I, I don't remember if the Robert Redford casting was first or if it was after the Russos. I'm pretty sure the Russos coming aboard were first. And uh, 
I have to give all the credit in the world to our dear friend, the nicest man in the history of the world, John Beerley, because I think I don't remember. Uh, yeah, I remember talking with John, and, and I remember that when the Russos got hired, John Beerley was all about it. John knew Joe and Anthony Russo from he re, he was really one of the guys who was highlighting their work on Community, and I was not at the time a faithful watcher of community. I had seen some episodes. I had seen one of the paintball episodes, which of course was an episode that the Russos did um, in terms of actually directing it. They also were executive producers on the show uh, throughout the first few seasons. So I was intrigued by it, but I couldn't, I, I'd be lying if I said I was a hundred percent over the moon about the idea. Cause I just didn't know enough about the guys. Um, but John Beerley was a guy who just immediately thought, this makes total sense. And because I trust John Beerley, that's why I trusted the Russos is basically what I'm getting at. Uh, but yeah, I remember that, uh, that first news about the Russos and just being like, okay, that's different. But now we know how wonderfully that's worked out for Marvel so far. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember. I vaguely remember that, you know, the announcements, I, I do remember being underwhelmed with the selection of the Russos. And it was one of those things where, you know, I just, it was just hard to, it's just hard to kind of think that they're going to put the sequel to Captain America, you know, to a bunch of comedy writers or directors, you know, and it just, you know, I, I had, I had actually seen the paintball episode too for community. I watched the first season and liked it. Um, I didn't, I never, I never really finished it. It just I, sitcoms and me, I just, I never, never stick with them for whatever reason, but I remember the episode was fine. I thought, you know, it was just kind of a weird thing. But at that, excuse me, at that point, I I had trusted Marvel with everything. You know, Joss Whedon wasn't exactly, at the, you know, looking back, wasn't a slam dunk choice either. I mean, he had directed Firefly and Serenity, and that's really it. And they trusted, like, you know, one of the their biggest tentpole film, you know, in his hands. Even though a lot of, you know, geeks like us, you know, we had faith in, in Joss Whedon that he wasn't, a, you know, a, a uh, proven commodity. You know, he just was a name that had, had his name, you know, his own name all over everything in geek culture. So mm-hmm. the fact that Marvel took a chance on someone like Joss Whedon and put like their biggest movie, you know, the, the everything re- rested on that movie basically on one guy with a track record that wasn't exactly like, you know, Ridley Scott or something like that, obviously. Um, it's it takes some it takes some guts and Marvel ha- has you know guts to put people in situations that we wouldn't normally think of and this was I think the second thing that people weren't you know just were like what and they questioned it you know they questioned I think people questioned Whedon a little bit at the time now I'm not saying all all uh, people question the Whedon thing but I think a certain amount of people were like is this the guy you really want to have like directing this movie and you know the Russos was another thing you had you know proven commodities like Shane Black. Um, you know, the guy, even Alan Taylor from Game of Thrones, that made sense because, again, he was on a, you know, a big budget TV show like Game of Thrones had proven he had done something, you know, similar. These guys had done nothing like Captain America. And, you know, it was it's just one of those things where you just don't I, you just kind of you kind of just go, what's going to happen? And when they announced the fact that it was Winter Soldier. I remember being really excited and also a little bit surprised because I'm like, man, 
they're not wasting any time. They went straight to Winter Soldier because obviously Captain America has, has t- I mean, to me, I love Captain America. He's got great stories, but Winter Soldier definitely is the most popular, I'd say, you know, ever, like storyline ever he's ever been a part of. And um, they went straight to it. And I thought I was like, okay, that makes sense. And a little surprised they didn't try to wait it out, but they no, they went straight for you know, the big, the, the big name. And I thought that was very interesting. So the fact they went straight to winter soldier and with these unknown directors, I'm like, this is a, this is a head scratcher for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess we, before we even got the Russos though, I mean, also finding out, uh, or maybe I can't even, I can't even remember what order everything happened in. And I'm sorry, I didn't look it up before the show, but also finding out the title of this <laughs> How being, dare you? being the winter soldier. Although I think we knew that already. Um, it was a com- it, we start, we heard it at Comic Con and I don't yeah, think the directors were announced. Yeah, and I think that was before. Yeah, because I remember the Russos were among a few candidates uh, for a little while before they ultimately uh, got the gig. So um, yeah, I, I remember being really excited about it being the Winter Soldier, and I just felt like that made sense. I mean, yeah, it was a more recent Captain America story, and and you could have set, you certainly could have made the argument for let's go ahead and let's wait, but. It just—I mean—they already had it set up in the first Avenger with the way with what happens with mm-hmm. Bucky uh, in that film. So I wasn't shocked. I was excited about it, and that's a, a great example of the way Marvel Studios has been willing to pull from everywhere for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you know, I feel like with a lot of other comic book movies, there's a tendency to pull from stuff that's a little bit older, and that because it's more established and you already know the fans are really into those stories, those plot lines, if you're going to adapt anything. But they really went for something that was fairly recent when, and they would, and they've done that multiple times since, and we'll get that, we'll especially get to that with our next one when we talk about Guardians. But there was a lot of, they weren't afraid to pull from more recent stuff because it was a huge story. And and Winter Soldier was a big thing that got people interested in Cap, and, and a lot of people hadn't always been interested in Cap. Uh, but Winter Soldier, from a comic book perspective, really elevated the interest in the character uh, because that was you know kicking off Ed Brubaker's amazing Captain America run. So bringing that into it, I was thrilled by that. I was really excited. I love that that comic, so I was very excited to see it being adapted into a movie. With the Russos, I was just trusting Beerly at that point. <laughs> it was like he was swearing by the Russos. <laughs> That's good enough for me. If John Beerley vouches for you, then you're gonna, then it's then it's fine. He gets it. Yeah. So, even though they hadn't done anything like that, um, I think we've we've seen that Marvel has done this uh, a lot, especially since, especially like ever since this uh, this hiring of the Russos. Like they've really gone all out in terms of hiring people that they've never done anything that would make you never. There's no big obvious example of like they did another a huge action movie or something like that that makes you connect them with a potential future as a, a comic book movie director or in this case a comic book movie directing duo. You just don't get a lot of that in uh, in in Marvel, and I think that's actually been a strength of Marvel movies is they're finding it's like they're like we know how to help directors with the big action stuff. What we want are the people who can really who are really showing us that they can tap into the characters, who these people are. Uh, that's what we really want to emphasize with the filmmakers that we hire. And it's safe to say at this point that that strategy has worked out very, very well for Marvel. Now, another piece uh, of this puzzle, though, that was huge for me, because a lot of things we already we already kind of knew. Like, okay, obviously Chris Evans is back as, as Cap. Um, 
I thought adding Black Widow into the story was a good call because, and, and of course, it made even more sense once I saw the movie, but initially, even before that, just the fact that Black Widow was going to be, and, and Nick Fury were going to be featured characters in this, it was the most natural thing because what's going to happen with Cap after, you know, now that he's living in this modern world because he was just pretty much immediately thrust into it with the Avengers and there was no real thing of, well, what what is his day-to-day life supposed to be like now? And Winter Soldier was going to answer that. And, and having a guy like Cap be working with Nick Fury and with Natasha Romanoff, that just made a lot of sense because there's so much natural conflict in the way they do things. Obviously, Cap is a very straightforward guy. He just tells it as he sees it and he, he prides himself on his honesty and but then you have Nick Fury and Natasha who are spies, you know, who lie for a living and are perfectly happy operating in the gray that Steve isn't necessarily as comfortable with. So I, I always I thought that was going to be a good fit. But the other thing that just blew it, and obviously we knew, you know, with Winter Soldier, we already had Sebastian Stan as Bucky, so we knew who Winter Soldier was going to be. But when they cast Robert Redford in Captain America the Winter Soldier, that was one of those rare moments in these first 10 years of Marvel Studios where I felt like they have really and truly arrived. Holy shit, Robert Redford is going to be in a Marvel movie. Because Robert Redford is like my mom and dad's favorite actor. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and because he was one of their favorite actors, he was actually one of my favorite actors as, as a kid because they were always playing movies. Like I can't tell you how many times... I've seen him bust those lights in the natural. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen Robert Redford do it. Um, he's an amazing actor. He's an absolute legend. Um, one of my favorite, and this is like an aside from a couple years later, but one of my favorite moments, one of my all-time highlights as somebody who's been able to cover movies a little bit over the past several years is like actually getting to go to the pete's dragon press junket and i didn't even have it wasn't a one-on-one interview but it was a roundtable interview and i got to directly ask robert redford a question and he liked my question <laughs> and that's just like the coolest thing ever to me and he gave a nice thoughtful answer and you can look up my pete's dragon coverage to find out what all that was about but anyway um when he was cast i thought this is special like this is amazing and of course we all went crazy in our minds with our fan theories of oh this guy's gonna end up being red skull now <laughs> like I remember that being a huge rumor that like this whole thing of Alexander Pierce is just a it's just a ruse this is going to be like the mandarin twist there's going to be there's going to be more to it like he's not going to be um you know he's not just going to be some guy from shield and of course we know there there is a twist to it but it has nothing to do with red skull um but I didn't even care like whether or not he was going to turn into red skull I was just blown away by Robert Redford being in a Marvel movie and I'm still blown away that Robert Redford was not only in a Marvel movie, but that he is that the words Batrock and Hail Hydra come out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, Batrock was uh, this whole. I mean, are we going to get into, are we get into the actual movie Not right yet. now? Not like, yet. okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll save I'll save that for later. No, it was Robert Redford's um, his inclusion was how would I say on the nose? I'm not sure how I explain that, but. It just seemed only natural for Redford and his toupee to show up in this movie. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I I I enjoy Robert Redford. I think he's you know he's a, he's a he's a classic actor. He's a director, great director. 
Um, you know, but it was one of those things where I just I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. I I know it was a big deal. And um, like I said, like, again, like you said, like your, your parents favorite actor, my parents loved him, you know, growing up. So but for me, I was like, OK, I wonder what exactly is, you know, what's he doing in this movie? And I didn't for I don't know if it was this movie, but I think I, I around um, after Avengers, I just stopped reading like a lot of like stuff about, you know, who's is, you know speculation for these things, because because I know the comics so well, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not all of the comics, obviously, but I know a lot of comics really well, these characters really well that I don't I want to be some I want to be surprised a little bit because it's something that I just didn't really, you know, I, I want to be surprised. So I didn't. I personally didn't, you know, didn't know if he'd be Red Skull or not. But in the well, as we'll get into the movie, I have different things about that. But I didn't really think one way or another. I, I just kind of, I wanted to keep clear of that. So, but yeah, I, I, I just yeah. remember not really caring because I was like, yeah, if, yeah, if exactly. he's if he's Red Skull, great. If he's not, also great because it's still Robert Redford and he's awesome. But I, I think what Robert Redford did for the movie is that he was. You know, as the, as we started hearing more about it and started seeing trailers and, and hearing the Russos actually do press and, and kind of talk about the movie a bit, is that you just see this idea of them really going for uh, a political thriller. And Robert Redford, you know, a lot of that legendary status that he has comes from his work in, in 70s political thrillers. So right away, like that's... That's the other thing that's so great about the casting is it just puts you in that frame of mind, you know, as an audience member of like, yeah, this is this is where Robert Redford shines. I mean, he shines in many different types of films, but particularly in in political thrillers. So that just made a lot of sense. Um, but then, um, you know, the other thing I remember more so than I really remember any of the trailers is I remember, as I said for Thor the Dark World, we went to, I went to, I didn't go to Comic-Con in 20, or I wasn't at the Marvel Studios Hall H presentation in 2013. Um, so I didn't see the footage there, but I did see it at uh, D23. And I don't remember if they showed, because they showed us, you know, some, like a little sizzle reel, but they also showed us, which I wasn't sure, I don't remember if they showed this at D23 or at Comic-Con or not, but they definitely showed us this at D23. They showed us the elevator fight. And mm. I was blown away. I was just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, because, again, we, I didn't know what the Russos were going to bring to a Captain America movie. And I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about action at all because these guys just created an amazing epic action scene in, like, a 10 by 10 space. <laughs> like, this <laughs> is crazy. I, I couldn't believe it. And I, and I just – this is really unique and fun and inventive, but it's also what I, what I loved about it. And this ended up being very true of the movie. And, and it also, I would say it's, it's true of uh, civil war is, and, and what really excites me about Avengers infinity war is the Russo's style with action in their movies. It, it's very visceral. You know, you feel it, you feel the punches, you feel, you know, you feel the impact of, of everything that's happening on screen. You know, there's weight behind it. And, they really showed that in that elevator sequence that I saw at D23. And I was think, just thinking, man, like this, I really love the style of what these guys have brought to it. And tonally, like it was all just, it was all working. So once I saw that footage at D23, it was like, okay, like I, I'm definitely believing that this could be something special. Yeah, this is something that 
I avoided, you know, I, I started kind of avoiding, um, trailers for things. And I remember, but I remember hearing about from you, Sean, when you saw this and, and other people, you know, ranting and raving about the elevator scene and, you know, with winter soldier being again, pr- pretty much a modern superhero comic book classic, you know, story. Um, you know, it was one of those really, I was really anticipating this movie, you know, again, I loved Captain America is, is easily my favorite MCU character right now. I mean, barring like Spider-Man's because he's by default, but, um, but Captain America has been my favorite by far. And I think, you know, with first Avenger being a true blue Captain America film and Avengers just literally putting like the costume into a movie, the, the comic book costume into a movie that is, uh, basically, uh, it was a dream come true. And I was like, Chris is great. And I had no idea what we we're going to get with the Russos. The trailer looks really cool. I mean, the trailers were cool. I thought they were looked really, really good. And I was getting stoked for seeing the winter soldier, uh, being in this movie, you know, being the, being the villain in this movie or whatever. So yeah, the, the trailers, I w I was getting pumped for this movie and I got to say, like, I thought the trailers did a great job of selling, you know, selling the film. And I, I, I know it sounds kind of weird saying that, but I really do think that you, it really showed you what you're going to get in this movie. A lot of trailers are misleading or trying to build something what they're not, you know, cause they're trying, again, they're trying to sell you something. I really think they did a great job with having the, tra- the trailer with, you know, Natasha talking to uh, Steve and saying like, Oh, Hey, you know, you know, you know, why don't you go on more dates or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the lines are. And, she, and he says, well, all of the people in my barbershop quartet are dead. And yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and he's, and I just, I love the, the fact they open with that. They open with the fact that these two people are superheroes, you know, or whatever, and they save the world. And they're talking about regular things and he's mm-hmm. and and it, to me it captured steve already and i and I, that's what i knew when when they showed that line that part of the movie every time i i, I saw it in the you know the trailer before the movie i'm like man they if this is what steve is like in this movie like this is 100 steve rogers it's amazing so yeah that was yeah, the, the, that was the yeah. stuff in the trailers that i latched on to as well it wasn't so much about the action beats that they were showing it was just those little moments with steve and natasha or just steve whatever else like i, I was really into that although i also remember the uh you know the shield catch from winter soldier just being like oh shit that's mm. cool <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i remember being all into that and also the i i think i don't remember if it was in a trailer first or if a still image came out but the the punching the shield with, with winter soldiers, metal arm, just, there was just some imagery that I was really into, mm. but, but more than any, more than any of that, it was just the smaller character stuff with Steve. And that's actually mm-hmm. what I really appreciated about the marketing for winter Soldier is I actually yes. felt like for a big Marvel movie, it was relatively understated. Um, if that kind of makes sense, like it, it I, obviously it was selling the movie like it's supposed to, but yes, I, yes. it just kind of felt like it was very – the marketing was just kind of an extension of the film in the way that it's just being very, very sure of itself and what it was doing and not necessarily feeling like it had to try too hard to sell you on some huge superhero spectacle. It was just showing you here's – we think we got a good, like, thrilling character story here. And, and so this is what we're going to show you. And then, of course, that's what we got. Um now let's go ahead and transition into first viewings. So mm. – 
Mm. Where were you and who were you with when you saw mm. Winter Soldier the first time? Was it a was it an opening night occasion? It, no, actually, it was the um, one of the things I started doing, I think, around this time was uh, not seeing movies opening night because I was sick of the crowd around me annoying the hell out of me. Um, so I started I, I kind of go off and on with this, but yeah, crowds were really starting to piss me off, um, for a while. Like I'd bring Morgan and she'd get irritated at people and mm. they just were ruining the, I hate to say it. People were ruining these experiences for me. Even it wasn't even at midnight. It's just like a bunch of rowdy teenagers being loud and talking all the time. And I'm like, shut up. So one of the things I took a cue from, uh, one of my best friends named Dave Valdez, AKA father's figures on Twitter. Um, he, I, I, we went to a, a, a this is really, be really random, a Bible school together in Minnesota. And one of the things he always did was he would take, he'd go see movies on Friday morning and not at, you know, late at night or midnight showings because he hated, uh, the crowds. He just couldn't stand them and he'd be by himself and he, he can really absorb the movie that way. Um, barring, you know, barring like something he couldn't wait to see like star Wars or a superhero movie or whatever. Sure. But, you know, but, but even over the years, he kind of started doing that. And he started telling me about, he was doing that. And I'm like, man, that's genius. That's what I have to do. And I started doing that. I did it with Iron Man three with Thor dark world. And, uh, you know, took, I took a day off of work and I'd say, you know, what, I'm just going to hang out and, I'm, you know, whatever. So my brother and I, uh, my older brother, he's, he has uh, six kids. Um, we all went and saw winter soldier. Uh, they had like school off. I forgot what, why the reason they were, they were off, but we all took time off and we all just saw winter soldier together, um, in a nice, like empty theater. And, um, I just really remember just loving this, this movie immensely and just, yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool to kind of go see it and being like, wow. I mean, I just kind of it took it it took me by surprise how good it was. Um, and I I remember you know reading all these great things about it. Reviews were were really really good and positive. But man, like I wasn't prepared for how good this movie en- ended up being. Yeah, I remember my first screening was uh, thankfully once again a press screening. So I was I was in the rotation now for press screenings. <laughs> um, and it was actually at the, uh, and this was the first time I got to watch a, Mar- a Marvel movie on the Disney lot in the main theater. So I was with my my good pal and, and superhero news co-host Mark Hughes. Um, so we were together. We went and watched uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, and I just remember, I, I remember when it ended. I was like immediately thinking, I think that's the best Marvel movie. Like I was like, I don't. I don't know if it's my favorite over the Avengers, but I think that's an even better movie than the Avengers. That was my initial thought, and it, and it pretty much stuck with that. Um, so, and like I said, I kind of flip them though once it's like time to play uh, play favorites. But if I'm trying to be more objective, like I just think I think Winter Soldier is just top to bottom about as good as you're going to make these movies. That's why I have it in my uh, Marvel masterpiece collection of the best Marvel movies that don't necessarily have numerical rankings assigned to them. But I just remember, you know, one of my, my first things is I, I just, I was in love with the movie in the first five minutes, just with the whole on your left bit between uh, Sam and, and Steve. Because I guess we forgot to mention that in the buildup. I mean, I was thrilled that Anthony Mackie was going to be in this movie because um, I, I loved him in, in Hurt Locker. I just thought he was going to be such a great choice for Sam Wilson. And he's a very charismatic and entertaining guy, but also a really, really good actor who can get into the heavier emotional stuff. And 
And I remember when I watched that scene, I even, as I was rewatching the movie to prep for the show today, I even tweeted out, like, it's the best meat cute in the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe <laughs> is Steve and Sam with the whole on your left thing. And then he tells him about the Marvin Gaye, like Trouble Man soundtrack. And you see all the stuff that Steve's written on the notebook in his little notepad. And I know that depending on what mark, you know, uh, country you were in, you saw a different list of things that, that Steve had to, uh, to catch up on. And I just remember being blown away or not necessarily blown away, but just really, just really engaged by that scene. But then we cut to the scene of Captain America on the Lumerian star and instantly it became one of my all time favorite and still is one of my all time favorite comic book, superhero movie action scenes. I love and will never get tired of watching Steve just run through that ship and just Mm -hmm. beating the shit out of guys because (laughs) I, I, I gotta say, because this was also a thought that was ringing through my head you know, Batman was my, been my favorite character uh, since I was a kid. And um, I was like, this is a better, I was like, this is the most Batman fighting that I've ever seen. And it's not, I'm not even watching a Batman movie. Like just the way Steve was creeping up on fools and just destroying them. <laughs> like it was amazing. And and I love uh, it when he's running and he like knocks the guy yes, out off the boat. The like that's like yeah, my favorite. Yeah. I boom. love that's that. My favorite. Um, my other one is uh, where he just locks up the guy's wrist behind the dude's back and then just, you know, just twists him so he knees the guy in the head twice. Uh, like, <laughs> that's amazing. The shield throws are just stunning. Like, I was just, I was thinking, this is just pure superhero combat, and I am loving it. There's, you know, Batman is supposed to be the best fighter in the world, and he's never had a fight scene like this. Now, he got a pretty good one later in an otherwise bad movie, but... Like at the time in 2014, Captain, like, you know, as much as I love the Dark Knight trilogy, I love him, love him, love him. But there's nothing in those movies that really shows this is how great of a fighter Batman is. Um, and there's really nothing in the previous era that really showed that. So, you know, and, and a lot, and, and frankly, most superhero movies don't have, a, especially at that time, didn't have a ton of impressive, like, hand to hand combat. But Captain America should have that, and this one really showed it, and I and it showed it right away. And then you get a, an awesome one-on-one fight between Chris Evans against George St. Pierre, and thank God it's fiction because that's the only way Chris Evans is hanging with George St. Pierre as Batrock. But I, I loved that one-on-one fight, and I like and the Russos just impressed the hell out of me in the way that they shot it, like they. They were they weren't afraid to to have you know they would pull the camera back and go wide especially for that fight between uh, between Steve and, and Batrock and then but then they would bring the camera then they would cut and bring the camera in closer and I actually think the action is cut together probably better in Winter Soldier than it is in Civil War because there's plenty of quick cutting um, as there is in tons of action movies and, and fight scenes these days but I think there's a little less of it in Winter Soldier I think it's a little more there's a there's a better balance between the close up mm. quick cuts and pulling the camera back to show the whole to show the entire action there's more of that in Winter Soldier than I think there is in Civil War so I do think the fighting's a little better although I still think the fighting is great in Civil War and we'll get to it when we talk about that film yeah um but then I also just remember being totally shocked when it came time to dismantle Shield Mm. I was not ready for that. I oh, mm. but be, you know, before we even got to that, I one of my like 
I had two of my all-time biggest Marvel geek outs watching this movie. Um, the first was, oh my God, Arnim Zola is alive and he's a computer. Um, mm. <laughs> like, mm. cause I, I think Zola is a great villain in the comics and he's a really just weird, interesting villain who challenges Captain America. I mean, a lot of Marvel characters over the years, but especially Cap. And, and so I, I was way into that idea and I love the way that they executed it. I thought it was great. And even this idea of of Hydra's alive and they've been inside S.H.I.E.L.D. the entire time, like just being like, oh, this is amazing and what a great way to do that. And also how topical it was because and it's it's not the biggest topic of conversation now, um, although, you know, maybe it ought to be. But, you know, because I remember around this time was when we had the, you know, a lot of the Edwards, the Ed Snowden stuff. And of course, for the past uh, decade plus leading up to Winter Soldier, you had the whole idea of, especially in this country, becoming a surveillance state, and and the idea of sacrificing freedom, and then um, you know just in because all in exchange for some illusion of safety, you know, all to appease uh, a sense of fear, and, and Captain America playing on that, and and even having Arnim Zola spell it out of how easy it was instead of trying to take something away, act like you're giving people something, giving them a feeling of safety and they'll free they'll immediately trade their freedom in exchange for that. Like all of that was just so it was so relevant and, and mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so timely and it still is. And then, mm-hmm. um, but then of course, you know, when turns out Sitwell is, is Hydra also, I mean, shout out for the Gary Shandling reappearance. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Um, and turning him into a Hydra agent, which made, which made his like, his whole Iron Man two beef with Tony Stark makes so much sense. <laughs> um, that was great. And then Sitwell name dropping Stephen Strange was huge. Like I, you know, I don't. I might have made a noise in the theater. <laughs> like I was really excited about that. But then, yeah, the whole thing with Shield going down. Because remember, we were right in the midst of the first season of Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "What's going on right now? What are they going to do with this TV show that they just started?" Like what? Like, they have a show called Shield, and they're getting rid of Shield in this movie. But I also remember being really impressed by it because I remember thinking that's really bold for Marvel Studios to be willing to shake up the status quo in such a big way. Uh, because mm-hmm. that's not, you know, at, at especially at the time, people were kind of criticizing Marvel, and people have always criticized Marvel even since then for not changing things up, not you know, keeping things in a holding pattern, and always returning things to the status quo and. And frankly, I disagree with that, and I and I think uh, this is a, a huge example of why I disagree with that because they're they took something that was kind of an institution of Phase One, and here we were in Phase Two, and they were ripping it to the ground literally. Yeah the the direction of Shield, I was not prepared or or expecting, and it was a it was very it was very comic booky, and but it was done in a very real world kind of way or realistic kind of way, I should say, and I, I really liked. You know, the idea of Hydra, you know, being, you know, it, the real, really, really behind uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. And I do wish it was a little more, I wish it was a little more on the nose of comic booky, but at the same time, it doesn't fit the tone of this movie. And that's one of the things about this movie that really surprised and, and took me um, the most out of everything is the fact that this is not a, 
like you know what's be the completely true blue to the comic books like characters and all that stuff like zola hydra even winter soldier to an extent um they really did ground it as much as they could in the cap in the in the you know mcu and it's amazing to me because in my opinion and maybe i'm wrong and maybe first avenger and avengers is a better uh rep- is, is more respected for captain america than i think it is but I really do think it was I saw a a shift in fandom regarding Captain America once Winter Soldier came out. Once mm-hmm. Winter Soldier came out, Captain America became cool. I have never been a part of anything. I've been, you know, reading comics since I was a little kid. Captain America has never been cool, like ever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's he's loved by lots and lots of people, but he's not hip or cool or whatever. Winter Soldier made Captain America cool. And I'm I'm not saying that to be like, you know, ironic or anything. I'm being 100% serious. I I was surprised, you know, when I go on Twitter or Facebook and people would be like, Captain America, Captain America, Captain America, because they weren't saying that after First Avenger. Mm-hmm. They weren't saying it after the Avengers even. I mean, a little bit after the Avengers, but to me it was Winter Soldier that really brought Captain America home. And I think that, like, the you brought up the action, Sean. The action, to me, really, like, was really realistic, and, and you could see it. You could see it, you know, you could, I, I'm not sure how much was Chris Evans and, and a stunt double, but it really felt like it was, you know, interchangeable, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that all of that made this movie just so much more believable when it was grounded. Yeah, this guy has a super soldier serum, but like you could see this happening, like Arnim Zola even, like just like the the way they brought him out and they had the Easter egg with all the camera on the computer, like it was you know an Easter egg, but it like it made sense in the story. It just it was just really cool how they brought all these different aspects of Captain America and showed that like yeah this guy that you know I thought would never ever be cool with like red boot booties basically you know <laughs> like this guy is now probably next to Iron Man, the most popular Avenger. You know, maybe he even rivals Iron Man. I mean, look at Civil War. I mean, it was... I was surprised at how well, like, or how many people, like, we're talking about, you know, Captain America, not... And even though it's his movie, technically, but, I mean, Iron Man was a big part of the movie. He's a villain, pretty much. And, you know, and people only talked about Captain America. So it was... One of the things I just, I just could not believe leaving the theater was how much people loved the movie and how much they loved Captain America. And I have to say, like, you know, we talk about the story of, of shield and Hydra and the fact that like, you know, cap can sniff out this stuff in and what he, you know, his line of thinking, the old fashioned way of thinking sometimes is what you need in a, in a sense to where you can't just be overly trusting. You got to question everything mm-hmm. in like that honesty that you, we talked about earlier. That to me is so evident in the writing. And I think it's, I think it's definitely the best script. I don't know if it's the best movie. I mean, I think it's top five or it's in the top five, probably best MCU films is the best. I, I have a heart it's for my favorite. It's not quite up there as far as the be- my favorite, but it's in the top five. But I think this is probably the best script bar none of all our MCU films. Like I think it just it, the, I think the, everything is just kind of on point. There's not really a lot of wasted dialogue in my opinion. Everything is serving a purpose. And to me, it's like, it just really surprised me of how well of a movie this is. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things we talk about the dark Knight is that you could put them with different characters and then people would still love the movie because it's a great story and Mm -hmm. what, you know what it is. I think 
you know, for the most, uh, to a certain extent, Captain America Winter Soldier is the same thing. It's just a really well shot, you know, conspiracy theory action thriller. And with Captain America in it. And it's really, and it's just so beautifully shot and done. It's just, it, you know, I, it mar- no pun intended, mar- I marvel at the fact that, like, it's the how how good it really is as a movie of itself not just, just not just a it's good for a comic book movie it's a good movie and good well, yeah. the, the way the winter soldier always struck me with that dark knight comparison is it's like i i've always likened to the winter soldier to the dark knight but it's it's like it's the dark knight if the dark knight was allowed to be a comic book movie and that's not to take a shot at the dark knight but the dark knight very clearly is playing things straight. Like there's really not much about that movie that uh, other than Batman is in costume and Joker is in costume and a guy survives half his face being burned off. But like other than just the most obvious blatant comic book elements, but even those elements are played so straight and are, are so earnest in the dark Knight that in many ways that, you know, like, I almost feel weird when I call The Dark Knight a superhero movie because it's it's more of a movie featuring superheroes as opposed to a superhero movie, and I know that's just semantics, but I do feel like the I do feel like the phrasing points to a, a key difference, and I think with The Winter Soldier, it's it's played very straight, but it still is allowed to retain I think more of a, a comic book sensibility than than you know than, than the dark knight because there there is some stuff that's a little more comic booky it's it has it has some fun with some different elements and and obviously it's it's a little more fantastical and and not quite as grounded as uh, as the dark knight because it's a bigger story you got a dude with a jetpack that are falcon wings and you've got like uh, a huge you know flying back and forth between three helicarriers so obviously it's doing stuff that they that they never would have attempted within the the hyper realism world of uh, of Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, but I mean I, I agree with you, and I, I think the comparison to the Dark Knight is very natural. I think the Dark Knight is an obvious influence on the Winter Soldier, but I feel like the Russos took it a step further, and they also I would give because as I mentioned, one of my criticisms of the Dark Knight trilogy is that you know the fighting isn't great. The Russos showed that that's still mm-hmm. an important part. So yes, we're going to tell the emotional, dramatic story here with the characters. We're going to do that, but we're also going to show that this guy's a superhero and he can fight like hell. And I think that was, uh, you know, and that's where I say like it's it's it is allowed to kind of be in a lot of ways the best of both worlds. And, and I also remember um, that it, like tonally, it was I thought a big step forward for the MCU to show that. Even though this movie still has a sense of humor, very clearly this had maybe the least amount of humor of any Marvel film up until that point. And even the humor that was in there, you know, now I comp- that's why I compared Black Panther to Winter Soldier. Is there's definitely funny moments. Um, there's there are very funny moments, but they are a little bit fewer and farther between, and they're also super organic, and they're not necessarily used as a way to always break tension from the the heaviest emotion motion and most emotional moments yeah i think didn't they say the dark knight was an influence in this movie like didn't they outright say I mean, that yeah and, and lao is in the movie <laughs> yeah La, yeah that's true lao is in the movie i knew and no i remember and that's kind of why they cast him in the movie is because you know kind of they're, um, they're a little no i actually asked them about that um oh 
not well, on, not like on the record, but you know, like it wasn't a. I I've been fortunate enough to meet the Russos a few times, but I actually met them at it was a live taping of a podcast that they did with uh, Jeff Boucher, formerly of uh, L.A. Times Hero Complex, and I was just kind of they were I, I had brought my uh, Winter Soldier uh, art of book for for them to sign and as i was talking to them like i mentioned the chin han i believe is the name of the actor and i just said you know i feel like you know like uh, dark knight was obviously a thing in community they had a whole episode where uh, danny pudi who cameos in winter soldier plays the character of abed on community they have he's he's batman basically for an entire episode and he's totally being the dark you know the dark knight version of batman and uh with the whole christian bale bat voice and everything and so like i knew they were they were into it and they were like yeah they were um you know, I asked him, was like Chin Han, like part of the, you know, the, an homage to Dark Knight and, and, and Joe Russo was just, you know, telling me that, you know, no, not necessarily. Um, it was, you know, like it, they definitely were fans of the Dark Knight and it was something they looked at for, you know, tonally for Winter Soldier, but it wasn't, but the casting of Chin Han was just because they liked Chin Han. It, that wasn't, and that wasn't designed as a, you know, blatant homage to Dark Knight. All right. All right. Um, no, I, I think that, one of the things that you know again what makes what makes this action so cool is the you know or what makes this film so cool is the action and i think that that is definitely missing in a lot of not just i think the dark knight but sometimes really solid action fighting scenes is missing in a lot of superhero movies because they become cgi epics you know which i like a lot of that stuff but it does it does get old a little bit and i think one of the things that they embraced in captain america winter soldier is the fact that it's like more of a classic straight up like street fight if you will um you know one of the things i love about this movie is when when he gets attacked by shield and he, not only do you have the elevator scene but you have him like on a motorcycle throwing his shield and like hitting a quinjet and like it's just like yeah. this is ridiculous he jumps on you top know? of the quinjet and takes it down with the yeah, shield exactly, yeah exactly exactly so you know it's one of the you know and I, I'll never forget uh, Sean we we said this off the air like years ago and I always, I always remember it because I laughed out loud when you told me but you had seen the movie early mm-hmm. and and you and I and I didn't want to know anything and you wouldn't tell me anything anyway but like one of the things you did tell me was you said uh, I go because I remember the first film I had a problem with the shield throws mm-hmm. and I'll never forget you said I want to say. I'm hoping this is almost verbatim, but he said, uh, shield throws, um, were at, um, uh, I forgot exactly how you, how you, it was perfect. How you phrased it. It was like exceeded three old show, uh, you know, cap shield, th- uh, shield throws were exceeded in this film. And I was like, what? Yep. Like, it just got me all super pumped. And man, were you right? There's so many great shield throws in this mm-hmm. movie. Oh my goodness. That and like, well, yeah. no, go ahead. I was going to say, like, when he throws the shield on the Quinjet, it's ridiculous. It's I mean, amazing. in the best way ever. It's and so it, good. And it pops up, and then he just jumps off the back of the Quinjet, catches it, and it does a superhero landing. And that's what I, I love so much about this movie is that it wasn't afraid to just be like, we can tell a very serious story here and still have a sense of humor, and we can do big comic book style action and we're not afraid of that and we're not worried about that taking people out of the reality of 
of the rest of the film. Like it, it's all part of this one thing. And, and I think that's, you know, that went a long way, but also, you know, the character arc for, for Steve Rogers in this, and you're totally right. I think this is the movie that for, that turned a lot of people, maybe not, you know, maybe not everybody, but this is where Cap started becoming the favorite character uh, in the MCU for a lot of people and, and started surpassing Iron Man uh, for a lot of people. Maybe not everybody because the box office doesn't necessarily show that, that Cap is as popular as Iron Man. But, you know, certainly he's a, a huge sentimental favorite for a lot of MCU fans. And, and I think some of that turn started with the Avengers a little bit, but then Winter Soldier is what put it over the top because I think it's actually even even clearer in this film just how good Steve is compared to the first Avenger because in the first Avenger, I don't think his morality is really tested in that, in that sense of, uh, well, I'll put it this way. The line between right and wrong is is incredibly obvious in the first Avenger. It's a lot less obvious in Winter Soldier, and I think they did a good job of of continuing just that little bit of mistrust that they showed Steve having in Shield in Avengers when he has that great scene with Tony and with Bruce Banner when he goes off on his own to start checking out the looking for the Phase Two weapons aboard the helicarrier. And so they took that little piece of it and they expanded on it. And you see Steve just getting frustrated even before uh, when he's on the Quinjet and they're going out to the Lumerian star ship. And he's just saying like, there's always secrets. Oh, like here's Fury sending me out here to clean up his mess. Like this was some mission that, you know, this, this ship shouldn't even be in these waters and here we are. And, and now I have to go on this mission to, to clean up after Nick Fury, Nick Fury's operations and then when he's on that op, uh, Natasha has a completely different mission that leaves him exposed, and he feels like everybody else is being left behind because Natasha is not where he believes she's supposed to be, and he's counting on her to be there. And you know, so he's frustrated by that. And then when he when Nick Fury shows him Project Insight and the three helicarriers, and he says that great line of you know by pointing a gun to everyone on Earth and calling it freedom, like I, I love that you know saying this isn't freedom, this is fear. Um, I, I just think he does. It, it's it's amazing to see that in that Steve is still very much in the right, <laughs> you know. But but it's a change for him because he wasn't the guy. Like all he wanted, all Steve wanted to do in the first Avenger was join the army and be part of the rank and file and obey his orders and just be just be a good soldier. And in the winter, uh, in this film you see that that's not as simple as it used to be because in the 1940s, it was very obvious that everybody was working towards the same goal and he was on the right side. Now he's not so sure. He wakes up in a world that's very, very different, that where everyone is more suspicious of one another and everybody's got reasons to be suspicious. It's not like, you know, Nick Fury is not Alexander Pierce. He's not a Hydra agent. Like he actually believes that Project Insight is necessary and he genuinely thinks he's trying to protect people. And he has reasons to believe that. And you understand why Nick Fury feels that way, but you also understand why Steve Rogers is like, no, this is not this is not right and this is not okay. And this obviously sets things up with Civil War. And it's one of the great things that the MCU has done is the way they they completely flipped 
Tony Stark and Steve Rogers in terms of their stance on authority. By the time you go from phase one into the beginning of phase three with Civil War, it's just crazy what they've been able to do. But seeing Steve stand up for classic ideals, even within a modern context, but at the same time doing that, sticking to his original ideals forces him to do things that maybe he would not have done. Again, betraying authority. <laughs> like Those are things Steve Rogers would not have done in the first Avenger. So we're seeing kind of this deconstruction of, of Steve Rogers, but he's holding up within that because he's still at his core. Uh, we still believe he, we, we still believe him. We still, be, and we still believe in him. And the winter soldier does such an amazing job with that. And I think that's why people not only love the film so much, but came out of it uh, with Steve as their, as their favorite Avenger. If maybe he wasn't going in to the point where uh, a couple years later on civil war, and we'll talk about it more in the buildup, I saw a lot more hashtag team cap than I saw hashtag team Iron Man <laughs> because people mm-hmm. were just, they, they were on cap side. And I think this is the, this is the movie that got them there for sure. Yeah. Th- I, that's, that's kind of the, again, it's just, it's really funny to, to look back on it and think about this movie and think about like, it just, it still baffled me how successful this movie was again. Like, the the first movie and again the, i think you're right about the fact that avengers did help bring uh captain america to a you know more of a forefront than first avenger did i think first avenger just kind of got like just got us there to the fact that like this guy even exists because people you know let's face it captain america is not was or was not at the time a household name he was i think he was you know obviously a b or you know, B lister. People might have he, people might have heard the name and and known mm-hmm, yes. the the shield, but just knew absolutely nothing about him. Yes, exactly. So I think that Captain America kind of like introduced, you know, the world to, to Captain America. You know, and 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 I think people thought it was fine. It was like okay, it wasn't terrible. He's a, he's an all right character. And the Avengers really showed you what he could do from the leadership standpoint because. You know, you, you saw that in in First Avenger, but you really you, know, you got a good you know look at it in Avengers, and you got to see and again the beauty of Winter Soldier is seeing the personality and you know this 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 good natured person being in a very very gray world, um, just how at contrast. And I think again that good nature is just something that really sticks out and that just is rare these days. And, and, and a lot of things we watch. And I think that that's one reason why that people cling to, you know, to it's, you know, it's kind of like to, or they cling to them. I think it's a lot, a lot like Luke Skywalker in the original trilogy. I think the fact that people love and hold Luke so dear is that he's just, you know, he becomes that like do gooder. He's, he's, he is that good natured, person that you you know you can you want to be you know mm-hmm. and like you have and when you have you know the black widow the, you know to kind of like go off of and and show how the the modern world is compared to steve it just shows you how different things are and how and how he different he is from everything in this world and that's the to me the secret like a secret sauce if you will of this movie that that's why i think people cling to him is because that the people want to be good by nature i really do unless you're an evil person and you're an innocent asshole but i mean <laughs> um but no like i think even mo- people who most- are assholes like to think that they're good that's true you know but the, the thing is 
Steve, people want to be Steve Rogers because they want to do good. They want to be a good person. And Steve is that. And I think that he inspires a lot of that in, in people. And I think a lot of people have that in themselves, and they, but they don't think they're good people or, or whatever. But the thing is, Steve Rogers shows that, that it can exist and you can be that person. You can be that, that, that something that you never thought you could be. And I think that people identified with that instead of being like depressed and like, oh, everything's bad or this and getting arguing. Like Steve is very, this is right. This is wrong. And the the whole black and white, and he's not gray. There's no gray in Captain America. And that's why, you know, we can agree or disagree with Captain America's ideals in Civil War or Winter, or in, even in Winter Soldier. But to me, I love the convictions that Steve Rogers has. And that, to me, is the character of Steve Rogers. That's, that's always been what I think makes the character work in all of the comic books, is that he never compromises what he believes in. And on some, in all the best Cap stories, that is the crux of what makes Captain America tick. And I think that they really tapped into that into this movie. And not and, and again, I also think they didn't do it in a very, like, hit-you-over-the-head, overly political way. That's the beauty of this movie. It's not overly political. It's in a, to in a sense, it's just to me, at least for me, I always took it as like, this is right. This is wrong. And this is what someone can do with the right convictions, you know? So, yeah, no, I agree ahead. with that. No, yeah, I, I was done. <laughs> okay, great. So, um, no, I, I think you're, I think you're spot on about that. And, and, and I think it's great to, and it really ended up working well, as I said, you know, in the buildup that, and then of course, in seeing the movie, you know, having him go against Nick Fury, who in many ways is the opposite of Cap. And, you know, Nick Fury is somebody right at home in that gray and somebody who can justify what he feels is uh, what he feels is right in that just recognizing that there are threats out there and they have to be prepared to have to be as prepared as they can be to uh, to deal with them. And, you know, but then you have Steve Rogers thinking there are, there's just parts of this that, that are not right. And, you know, standing up for that and, and to the, to the point where it even causes him to, what's funny though, is I wouldn't say that he doesn't compromise at all. It's just that there are, there are certain lines he definitely won't cross and his refusal to cross those lines forces him to cross other lines that he otherwise would not have. I mean, again, Steve Rogers would not necessarily, um, you know, well, actually, then again, maybe not. He did break rank in Captain America, the first Avenger. He went after Bucky and he wasn't supposed to. So, you know, he went behind mm. enemy lines when he wasn't supposed to. So we already kind of know that Steve will break rank a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to people he cares about, like yeah, it has no, to be like, that's, and that's yeah. a huge, we're that's, that's a super meaty, meaty yeah. thing to talk about when we get into civil war is Bucky has proven time mm-hmm. and again to be Steve's perhaps moral blind spot. Um, but, uh, with winter soldier, yeah, it's, it, it's great to see him paired with that. And then also, uh, Natasha. And, and I think what I loved about that, and, and this is why winter soldier is my favorite performance that we've had so far from uh, Scarlett Johansson in the MCU. Although, you know, Avengers and Civil War are also very, very close, but I think Winter Soldier is probably my favorite, um, uh, my favorite time that we've, that we've had been able to spend with her character because I, I just love seeing her go against Steve. And also seeing her with Steve, like I think actually helps Natasha a little bit because, you know, she doesn't, uh, she, she's very, she can be very aloof, you know, in especially in like Avengers where she's just 
you know, she's she's a super cool character, but she's not necessarily diving into all the emotions that everybody else is everybody else is dealing with. In fact, her most emotional scene is when she's only pretending to be emotional to fool Loki. Um, and, you know, and she just pretends like she doesn't care this whole time with Steve. But when they have that whole feed off the dash conversation in the borrowed truck on their way to New Jersey, like you just start seeing Steve kind of getting through to her and, and she becomes a little vulnerable, explaining the whole idea of, you know, it's a good way not to not having friends and everything. It's a good way not to die. And if you want friends, you're in the wrong line. <laughs> you're like in the wrong line of work. All of those things, I think, show that, you know, there's there's a resistance coming from Natasha, but at the same time, it's not totally working. Like some Steve is having an effect on her uh, just because like the guy is so good and morally sound that you can't help but be impacted by that. And you see that coming through with Natasha. And then of course, uh, and we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, even though his name is in the title, the winter soldier is, unbelievable in this movie <laughs> like the way he shows mm-hmm. up but that chase scene holy shit we haven't even talked about that that chase scene with nick fury um unbelievable Ugh. and actually mm-hmm. i forgot to tell that story in the build-up although I, I think i've told it on the show before but um the uh the company that my mom used to work for she had uh, a client my, of course my mom is based out here in southern california but she had a they had a client in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, which is where they shot a lot. Where that's where the Russos are from, and that's where they shot a lot of uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I mean, they did some on-location stuff in DC, but largely Cleveland was posing as DC. And she told me uh, she had told me that there was this day where her client had, uh, you know, was just they were talking about whatever, and then her client had brought up the fact that. Oh, they've done. They were shooting this. Uh, they were shooting this Marvel movie in the street outside of his office, and he saw Samuel L. Jackson there. And there's like this black SUV, and there's just all kind. And like it was so loud the entire day because there was constant. I mean, obviously it's fake, but <laughs> constant like gunfire going off all day and car crashes and all this stuff. And it was just this crazy, crazy day. And you know, so I'm like, and so as I'm watching that scene in the movie, I'm like, oh my god, this is what this guy was talking about. Is <laughs> here's this scene. Uh, this chase scene with Nick Fury again, an amazing, uh, amazing chase scene. Uh, so much fun, and then Winter Soldier shows up, and it's just it, it's fantastic. And you see him show up again. You get the shield catch that you saw in the trailer, but then um, the scene where he kills uh, Sitwell, and then they have that that huge street fight. It's you know Winter Soldier and Hydra agents against uh, Sam, Natasha, and Steve, and it's just again, going back to that whole idea of the visceral fight scenes and then, um, you know, seeing the, the way the mind wipe works and Ed Brubaker actually gets a cameo in that scene, which is fantastic. Joe Russo yes, is also yes. in the movie as the doctor that lies that Nick Fury is dead. Um, which by the way, when Nick Fury died, I knew he was coming back. Cause I was like, Nick Fury hasn't, of course. Faked, he hasn't faked his death yet in the MCU. Like when people mm. criticize that of like, well, why didn't they just let Fury die? I'm like, Read a comic book, please. <laughs> like, if Nick, <laughs> if Nick Fury had died in the MCU without ever faking his own death first, they would have done it wrong. So I was, I was just fine with that. Um, but the whole thing with Bucky, like, I'm glad they added the flashback scene after Steve's mom's funeral, and you know, the to bring the whole "with you till the end of the line" part into it, and then just that emotional finale as that helicarrier is going down. And uh, Steve just stops fighting Bucky 
and Bucky just pummels him, but then ultimately saves him from drowning. Just, oh, man, it was so good. Like, the Winter Soldier just, man, it just hits on so many levels. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. as you said, it's a super tight script. There's really not, there's really no waste to it. Um, And yet, with the tone of the movie, like, it's just so well-balanced, and they're able to hit everything from a serious political thriller to also having a sense of humor to also having big comic book action and then just being so emotional at the same time. Uh, the Russos and then, of course, Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, who wrote Winter Soldier. They also wrote First Avenger and they wrote Civil War and they've written these next two Avengers movies that we're going to see. I mean, it's just, man, they're just so damn good. Yeah, it's, you know, one of the things that, you know, I want to talk about Sebastian Stan is that, you know, he didn't have a ton of dialogue in the movie and nope. he had to carry the, didn't the film. Yeah, well, right. Exactly. He didn't need it. He carried it with his, with his eyes, his dead eyes. And, you know, it's just, uh, it seeing the very end of the film, you know, and even though like the, when he get, when the cap goes to the Smithsonian and he takes his, his, you know, his, uh, costume and, you know, the Stanley cameo where he's like, I'm so fired. Cause he's yeah. a security guard. Um, One which of my favorite pretty hilarious. cameos in the MCU. Yeah, that's that might be my favorite. I don't know, but uh, it's it's a contender but, for sure. Yeah, we, we that hey future Patreon episode favorite yeah. Stan Lee cameos. We, uh, once we wrap up this road to Infinity War, we'll have to we'll have to get into it. Yeah, t- for sure. So no, um, it was you know I have to say like the very end was a great blend, and I talk about CGI heavy and how that's like you know tired a tired out played out thing. One of the things I thought they did a great job of in the end of this movie is the fact that you had this giant CGI battle, but yet you also kept it going again with with a hand to hand combat with like the helicarriers just kind of being like set pieces. You know, they're not they weren't like they were fighting the helicarriers, you know, themselves, you know, necessarily. But, you know, you have Falcon flying, you know, you know, everywhere you've got, you know, when Cap takes on Bucky, it's super, super like it's it's that again, that emotional battle that I think really is an, an, an underrated thing. And it's at least for me, they don't I, I feel like movies and films don't do it enough. It seems like, you know, and I really feel like they, they brought up the idea of the reluctant hero fighting the person he does not want to fight and the fact that he does and he tries to you know get him out of it and i love the fact that he just lets bucky just pummel him at the end you know and he's just like you know just and he tries to because he'll he's willing to sacrifice it all for his friend and again that moral blind spot if you will while the helicarrier is coming down you know Mm -hmm. oh it's it really is beautiful and you know it's 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 a again it's just like it's just so you you have that emotional context to this like great action you know thing where they they blend natural you know set you know set pieces with, like you know a, a aircraft carrier that flies and you have other things around it flying and so it's like it's so comic booky but yet grounded it's it really is a perfect balance of CGI and practical in in my opinion to really show an example of what you could do with CGI and putting those two things together because it, it grounds it again it grounds everything sure. so so to me like when you have so when you have that epic battle it's like you you can meet you're immediately taken out like it's a movie it's like oh yeah we're in this this is actually happening in front of me it, it takes you off to another world if you will but it's not it's the real world so i don't know i i just i can't get enough i haven't seen this movie in a long time and i need to rewatch it again because like it's it is a phenomenal film and i and i definitely feel 
it probably I do feel it's 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 one of the best movies of theirs, but I definitely feel like it might be their best overall. If if you had to look at it as a, a pure movie instead of my own biases, I would I would say as a film itself, this is probably their best. Um, it, it would be a tough call for me between this one and, and Black Panther and and even Civil War because I I do think Civil War has strengths that even Winter Soldier doesn't have, and that's why that's why I've kind of gotten over the whole idea of of ranking them with a definite number one because there are just there's that group where they're all just they're all truly great films and and but for different reasons and with different styles you know and and I think that's what you know Civil War doesn't have you know has some things that are more CG but that's cuz it also has characters with different kinds of superpowers that have to be CG you know and that and that's the the great thing about Winter Soldier is you know Cap's superpowers are you can reasonably do a lot of that stuff in camera and, uh, you know, like you can have a lot of ground level stuff, uh, ground level fighting and, and action that they have in, in this movie. But that's not necessarily going to work for every character. And that's why, you know, I, I don't look at it as scenes like this are are absolutely and always better than stuff that's more CG. I mean, if the CG is bad, then sure. But if the CG is done really, really well and that's how you have to do it for that character then I'm totally fine with it. And I'm not just going to say, well, now you can't possibly be as good as something like Winter Soldier because you have more CG going on than practical. It just depends on the needs of the film that are largely going to be based on what that character actually does and what the, that character's powers are. But in this case with Winter Soldier, obviously what they do works really, really well. And I, I genuinely appreciate that they made the effort that I feel like a lot of people were kind of lacking. And I, I would say that this movie became an influence because it was a year after this movie that we started seeing some really, uh, also started seeing some really great fighting with uh, Daredevil. And by the way, a lot of the fighting with Daredevil was the same stunt. It was uh, Chris Evans, same stunt guy, Chris Brewster who did a lot of the winter soldier stuff for cap and came in mm. and was fighting as Daredevil, and then, and also, you know, Batman getting a great fight scene in, in Batman v Superman. Like, you know, the the hand to hand combat, as I said, was not hugely emphasized in a really great way in comic book movies up until Winter Soldier, and now we see a much bigger emphasis on it. And I, it's I'm having a blast with it, and I, I think it's so I give it a lot of credit for that, and for for many other things. And you know, before we wrap up i want to make sure we we talk a little bit about uh the post credit scenes i mean obviously i love the the very last one with bucky showing up the, at the smithsonian and you kind of see him starting to remember and get to know himself uh in a you know trying to reintroduce himself to his actual self not this brainwashed uh soviet spy or hydra assassin uh, but i i but the mid credit scene First time I saw the movie, I was pumped because there was Scarlet Witch and there was Quicksilver, and we were now that we had this amazing Cap movie, it, and of course we still had Guardians to go, but then we started get, but now we were really set to uh, start building towards the next Avengers movie, and I was pumped because at that time, uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron was in production, so to see a little piece of that, uh, it was great. So I was, uh, I was happy. I, I didn't. It wasn't so. I was more thrilled with, and as I should be, more thrilled with the movie I just saw. But those post-credit scenes were pretty good. 
Yeah, the 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 end scene was really cool. Seeing you knew something like that with Bucky was happening, but with with what they did with uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, it was it got me pumped up for Age of Ultron even more. I mean, I was pumped for the next Avengers movie because of how much I loved that first Avengers film. But yeah, seeing Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch with Baron Strucker, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So that they got me super pumped for Age of Ultron for sure. Yep, so we will at this point point you in the direction of our Patreon credit scene for more discussion on the Winter Soldier because we're going to be talking about all those connective threads between this film and Avengers Infinity War slash Avengers 4. We're also going to be diving into the release date change for Avengers Infinity War as well as Marvel booking some new release dates and also possible confirmation on the Avengers Infinity War runtime. So we have all of those things to discuss for those of you who are our patrons over on patreon.com slash Marvel Studios News. So if you're not signed up, that's the address you can use to go over there. Get yourself signed up so you can hear all of that exclusive content and more. Um, and then also make sure you keep up with us on the website, marvelstudiosnews.com, where I post articles every single day pertaining to the MCU. And follow us on Facebook at Marvel Studios News and on Twitter at Marvel Newscast. Paul, where can everybody find you? People, ugh, people can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber with Sean spelt S-E-A-N. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 